but I, I, I want to I deal with this. The third part of this is, is simply called anger. But um, we started this by dealing with these four things. There's only four ways that the enemy attacks your soul. Now, we're not talking about the spirit of who you are. That's, for, that's forever connected to God. When you get saved, it gets rejuvenated. You get connected to God, and you can hear God through your spirit. But your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is, is the thing that really gets you in trouble. Amen. And uh, the soul is the thing that you need to get under control. And there's only four ways that the enemy attacks that. And that the first way is through addiction. Now, we dealt with that. Addiction doesn't necessarily have to be drug addiction. Uh, in this day and age, it could be Facebook addiction, uh, addiction, football. I mean, we all love football, right? Football addiction. It could be uh, video game addiction. You could be addicted to drama, and whoever you're dating or married to, you stay in a situation. You're not, not that I'm condoning divorce, but you, you keep a situation of drama going because you're just addicted to the drama, things like that. Um, we dealt with those things, and we dealt with how what happens when your addiction gets a attacked, uh, when, when, when righteousness tries to step in and deal with that addiction, you immediately become angry. Because the last thing you want to do is change how you think. The last thing you want to do is change you. But the only way to change your life is to change the way you think. Amen? That was number one. And then what happens is once you really start dealing with this, now I've been a drug addict, so I can speak from a physical perspective. But once your addiction starts beginning to get dealt with, something very weird happens. You become very depressed because the thing that you're comfortable with is not really there for you. You see it differently. And that is why you tend to go into situations. Have you ever seen somebody, uh, you ever known anybody, you ever been around anybody that you've seen them in a situation that was not healthy, a, a relationship, they were dating somebody that treated them badly or physically abused them or whatever it was, and, and they will stay in that situation for 25 years because they love them. Well, what they don't understand is they were addicted to a situation, and when they, when they started dealing with it and they actually tried to leave, uh, their soul got attacked by the enemy, and they moved into a place of depression where they can't live without that. Obviously, I can't make it on my I can't do this without that. And it pulls you back, and it's a lie of the enemy. It's just the second way it happens. And then you move over into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about anger today because the third step in all this is once your addiction gets dealt with, then you get upset about it. Then you get depressed about it. Then you move over into this real place of anger and rage. And we're going to talk about that today. So take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 and uh, 22, I believe. And I'm preaching with a handheld mic, and I haven't done that in years. So y'all just bear with me. Honestly, forgot to put my mic on. There's no spiritual reason for it. Just forgot to put my mic on. Got a little bit going on in the mornings, amen? <laughs> Proverbs 29 and 22, an angry man stirs up strife. You know, everybody know that person? And a, fury, a furious man abounds in transgressions. Now, the Amplified says it this way. The Amplified says, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and a man that's given to anger commits and causes much transgression. You ever seen that person that no matter what, now my wife is staring right at me because she knows this is me, but it's that person that will argue with a tree. My wife said, you need to be an attorney or a comedian. You don't need to be a pastor, which is funny. But the truth is you, you, you have something in you. Somewhere along the lines, we really become so dependent on our own self-defense 
that we develop a wit or we develop, develop a character, we, de we develop this trait that no matter what's going on, we're going to stand against. It doesn't matter if they're right, you're going to be correct. And you're going to be correct by wearing them down where they just say, okay. Anybody been there? Everybody quiet and I understand why. Because what you do is you put yourself in a situation that you've already lost by trying to win. Hey, hey, fellas, let me just let y'all know, especially you teenagers, you ain't ever going to win. Ever. I don't care if you do win. The big book of blame will always remind you that you gave it a shot. And uh, you, don't, <laughs> you don't want that. Because honestly, uh, to be quite honest with you, I have been married uh, over 20 years. And I don't think I've ever won an argument. And uh, if I did win, I lost. Praise the Lord. Because, and the truth is, let's be real about it. Ooh, somebody didn't like that. Uh, let's be real about it. The thing is, the reason that we argue is because we want to make out like we're superior. Out of our own insecurity. All of this stuff stems from insecurity. You want to build on things and say, this is what I think, and this is what, you know, what's going on. And I told y'all this story before, but it's the truth. When we, we left the conference in Birmingham one night, and the conference was great. But I, was, I hadn't eaten before the conference, and I was hungry, and I was angry. And I know none of y'all do this, but, man, when I get hungry, I get mad. And I was ticked because I was hungry, and it was too late to go anywhere. And so I'm just, just fussing about everything. I'm fussing about how the offering was taken up. I'm just complaining. Nothing was wrong, but I was just complaining. And, and my wife said this. She said, you know, if it's not the word, I have no opinion. Well, since we're going to invoke, you know, Jesus into this, he probably wouldn't have liked See, then I tried to bring Jesus in, so he wouldn't like this either. You see, what you do, you tend to get over in your soul, and you miss the fact that your spirit is forever connected to God, but you're not forever listening to it. If we could get our soul under control, we can get to a place where we step into something that we didn't know existed, that we didn't know we could walk in, we didn't know God had it for us, but it's an amazing sweet place where you can get quiet, where you can get low, where you can get with him, and all of this stuff just begins to fade away. All of these things that bother you now do not have to bother you. All of the things that you wake up in the morning and, and listen, you ought to pastor a church. You ought to pastor a church, and you ought to have 10 kids. Let me just tell I love all y'all, but let me just go ahead and tell you, until you have 10 kids, until you pastor a church, I'm going to win every argument because you've never done this. But when you wake up every morning with, I mean, we're talking about 50 on a good Sunday, a 75 to, to another 10 in my house, person, 85 to 100 personalities I got to deal with on any one day. And you wake up and somebody has said something, text something, called something, put something on Facebook that I have to deal with. And you have to navigate through your spirit or that stuff will get so attached to you that you will begin to get so angry and frustrated. And why can't they just love Jesus? Why can't they just lead? Why can't they just do that? Why can't we just be like Jesus? Why can't? And then you're becoming the very thing that you're complaining about because you're now in your soul. Is this making sense? This is basic stuff, but this is the stuff that's not taught. We have gotten to a place where we have gotten so focused on having good services that we do spiritual things in soulish ways to entertain and nobody's learning anything. If we could just have a hot service, if we could just have a high service and everybody lay hands on everybody and, and 20 people are wiggling over here and two people fell over there and it's church. But when they get up, what did they have? What can you use when your husband goes crazy? 
Everybody's just quiet. I ain't saying nothing. What can you use when your kid shows up and they don't look quite right? What can you do when your kid shows you attitude? What can you do when you get that 3 a.m. phone call? I've never had a 3 a.m. phone call where somebody says, I just want to tell you, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Matter of fact, I've had two of them phone calls in 22 years. So, now listen, y'all don't be calling me out of guilt. Um, let me try to get some more scripture in y'all real quick. James chapter 4. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14 17. I sent you there, but I didn't read, I didn't read it. Proverbs 14 and 17 says this, He that is soon angry deals foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. The Amplified says it this way, He who foams up quickly. Ever seen that person get so mad they foaming at the mouth in seconds? And they're just high. That's the person. They just get real high real fast. He who foams up quickly and flies into a passion deals foolishly, and a man of wicked plots and plans is hated. You know, you don't have to be an outward liar to be dishonest. You know, if you're always trying to work an angle to get things working your way, you might want to read this again. Because if you are your source, you've stopped any supply he can get to you. If you can, listen, I've been in plenty of business situations where I could say one thing, just one thing, just a little different, just make them taxes, just, just, just do this a little, just a little bit and make it work. But you know what integrity is? Integrity is laying your whole life out before everybody and not being embarrassed. That's what integrity is. And most people want to think that they have integrity but are you the person that's always trying to make things work for you? Or are you trusting God to work it out? I told y'all last week about Rick Renner. 25 years old. Of course, he's, he's probably in his, what, late 50s now? 25 years old, pastor to church. One of the best teachers I've ever heard. But just amazingly anointed in, 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 in Greek and Hebrew. But just at 25 years old was so stressed out at pastoring a church. At 25, he was in the hospital with a bleeding ulcer. At 25. At 25, I didn't think about nobody else but me. But at 25 years old, he was so stressed out by people that that's where his body had put himself. And he got to where he couldn't sleep at night. He was complaining about church people. He was complaining about the money. He was complaining about this. He was complaining about that. And his eight-year-old little boy, he was in the Ukraine, he's a missionary. Eight-year-old little boy came in and said, Dad, why are you crying? Now, listen, you know, moms, y'all are different, but dads, if your kids see you crying, that's a big deal. He said, Dad, why are you crying? He said, oh, I'm just dealing with some stuff. It's going to be okay. And he said his son threw his arms down and said, have you not figured out that God's faithful? Eight years old. Eight years old. And he credits that to being the moment that turned his whole life around. There has to be that sobering moment that you realize you're carrying care you were never designed to carry. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, casting the whole of your care. I love the way the Amplified says it. The Amplified says that he basically completely cares about every single thing you're dealing with. We don't seem to understand that. We, don't seem to, we, we think that God cares about the big stuff, but the little stuff we got to handle. Then he wouldn't be God. Are y'all with me this morning? Because we don't give God everything. We, we give God the big stuff. We give God the stuff that bothers us at that moment. But we don't wake up and say, God, you have this day. See, I'm not a believer. 
I, you're not ever going to convince me, and nobody ever has, and I've been in this argument 25 times. Nobody, and I've been around some, some preachers that know their Bible, and, and they can't, and that say that you got to say some preachers that know their Bible? But anyway, we'll just move on because I ain't going to kick that cow. You, they cannot prove to me this statement that God's in control is real because he's not. Go to Genesis. You can go to every book of the Bible and see where God's trying to do something, people screwing it up. Because the truth is, you have to use the word out of your own mouth. You are now the speaking spirit. You are Adam on this planet. You are Jesus on this planet. You're covered in the blood. When Jesus died, he left you something to cover you with. When you put that covering on you and you say it the way the Holy Spirit tells you to say it, when you say it the way the word says it, the heavenlies has to hear God because all they see is Jesus. Y'all don't understand the power you have, but it ain't your power. You've been given stewardship over something. I'm a word of faith guy, and I'm so tired of hearing people say, well, my faith, I believed it in. No, no, you were given the ability to steward something by obeying what God said. That's how it works. We've gotten so prideful and arrogant in our faith walk that we think we know everything and nobody knows nothing. We must know more than God. I mean, the truth is, is God is always talking to you about how to walk in what he's called you to, not just your stuff. He's called you to people. Listen, uh, I, I'm the person that, that loved the crowds and hated the people. I was trained in ministry how to put on a hot service and not really deal with the people. I was trained in how to preach high, but now I had to deal with the peasants. And, I, and I, I adopted some personality traits that when I got out on my own, of course, all these people that trained me that promised me that I would be there left me the minute I stepped out. So it was just me and God. And it took God how long? Three to five years plucking personality traits of other ministers out of me so I could become what he wanted me to be. Because you can stand on this stage all you want to and you can preach and sing and have all these things going for you, but if you don't, operate in love and you never know what real love is until all of your care is gone see we had some friends over not that weren't our friends they were Cameron's friends one of his partner at work that, that works in the truck with him uh, came to see him after his surgery and brought their little baby how old's that little baby five months name's Tucker and those of y'all who've been around me long, long enough to know if you bring a baby in it's over because you hand me the baby, that baby ain't going back to nobody else. It loves me. They all love me. I don't know why. I really wish they didn't, but they do. He comes right to me, laughing and cutting up and playing. Had not a care in the world. And could enjoy everybody giving him all the attention. He had no cares. Whether his mom was there, whether his dad was there, or, or whether, whether it was me holding him or the girls or anything like that. He had no cares, and here's why. He hadn't learned them yet. What kind of junk are you living in that you keep teaching yourself? What kind of stuff do you keep reminding yourself of and keep, what is it about you that you've done you keep, what is it you keep letting people bring to your attention about you that's stopping you? What is it that you keep letting the enemy bring up in you because ultimately it brings something up and you get angry with yourself and I can't believe I did this and I can't believe this is who I was and I can't, I can't, I can't. How about we get from what we can't believe and get over to what we can believe and what we can believe is he died on the cross for us because he cares and he's good. Let's start there and we can start pulling all the rest of it out. If we could just work there, amazing things can happen. But we don't do that. We preach messages for shouts, not for results. 
We preach messages for people to hear us talk a lot. And if we could just say this phrase the perfect way, everybody will clap. Listen, man, I got over that a long time ago. Y'all broke me of that. Y'all, bro, listen, let me tell you something. Y'all are not the group to build up the ego of a preacher. Whew. It's like watching ice melt sometimes. I'm preaching my heart out. Y'all like, I mean, like you're driving with, you, with your speakers bumping you. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. But y'all can tell me on Tuesday what I said. And when I go to other churches and I go to different places, unless they pull out their notes, they have no idea. So I, I'm, I'm blessed. So when we do this, we walk through these steps of our soul. You know, there, there's, there's all these arguments and there's all these different things of, of, of you know, the Bible says this, and, and, but this version says that. And listen, here's the deal. Ultimately, and I know there's, you know, I use a new King James and Amplified. I use a King James and a message. I use all different kinds of translations, and I have base translations that I use because they're closer than anything else. American Standard is really one of the better ones. But the truth is, is the King James has some, it's got some mistakes in it. But if you say that, people won't listen to anything else you say because they're married to a translation, not the person who said it. See, we have to get to a place that the word is true in your heart. You have to find a place where you're hearing what he's saying, not what you're thinking. Because if you're living by how you think, you're living out of your soul. Your soul was given to you to navigate the planet. Your soul was given to you to navigate left, right, hot, cold, uh, mean, get away from them, those kind of things. Your spirit is how you navigate everything God called you into. Listen, in aviation, you can't live by your emotions in aviation. You can't live by your feelings because you'll think you're upside down, but you'll have to follow instruments that are true. They're true to course. And if you stick with those instruments when you come out of that cloud, of course, you shouldn't be in that cloud, but if you come out of it upside down, it's because you trusted you and not the plane. Things were designed by God for you to be able to navigate when things get muddy. God gave you a litmus test. He gave you a compass. He gave you a way to walk things out and not ever, ever, ever have to deal with the stress and worry of life. Listen, I'm not saying this is supposed to be effortless. Are you hearing me? What I am saying is it's not supposed to be a mountain of pressure. The effort is the effort you put in that he said. I know y'all have heard this story a thousand times, but hear it again. We walked into this building it was so much the will of God for us to walk into this building that we couldn't give the key back to the guy. No bingo hall around here would sell to a church, none of them, because they thought we ran them out of business. And I didn't have anything to do with that, but that is what happened. But this guy, he heard a tape. He heard Ricky had told him some things, all these different things. And he said, I don't know what it is about y'all, but I like y'all. I like what you do. And I'm like, you ain't even come to, you don't even know what we're doing. And he said at Jack's with us, and he said, and this is, this is true. He said at Jack's with me in April, and he said, I just feel something talking to y'all. He had no idea what he was saying. He said, I just feel it. So just make me an offer. All right, we can do that. Made the stupidest, lowest offer you could make. And he said, okay, which means we probably could have got it way lower. <laughs> Looking back, <laughs> But it, it wasn't, listen, it wasn't effortless. We had to come down here with sandpaper. We had to build the walls. 
but there was no pressure. Does this make sense to you? God's called you to a life. I hear this term, sweatless victory. I hear it, I hear it, sweatless victory. And I understand what they're saying, but not everything in life is effortless, but it should be without pressure. You know, you should have a marriage without pressure. You should be able to raise your children without pressure. You should be able to come to church, hallelujah, praise the Lord, without pressure. You should be able to just live life and enjoy life and do what he's asked you to do. Most of the time, this is the way it goes. Most of the time you're dealing with pressure because you're wrestling something inside of your soul and you've gotten yourself frustrated at yourself or you've kind of found a little something you don't like about something and you're mad at somebody or, or there's a seed in you you hadn't dealt with yet and it just keeps coming up in you and you little snarky, rude self. And the truth is, is that's between you and the Lord. But God never designed for you to be that way. Well, that's just my personality. No, no, no. He created you pure, perfect, and holy. All the rest you put on like wheels and curb feelers. That's on you. You added that stuff on. Well, you just don't know what they did to me. Hey, I'm sorry for what was done to you. I am. But there's a place of healing if you'll just calm down and let him take you there. See, we've missed this whole thing of the anointing. We've missed, we think the anointing is emotionalism. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen the anointing operate more in a quiet. So we were in Texarkana. We were in Texarkana, Arkansas. This was about three years ago. I was sitting about where Cameron's sitting. And it was one of those holy hushes hit the room. We sat there, what was it, almost an hour and a half? Almost an hour and a half. Nobody made a peep. Nothing. Just his presence hit the room. Next thing I know, Pastor Tracy had slipped over to where I was and laid hands on me and just, just very gently just touched, touched the side of my head. And I hit the floor out of the chair. She saw me. And I couldn't move anything but one shoulder. I couldn't get up. I was pressed to the floor. But I felt something, and I'm going to describe it to you, and I don't want y'all to think I'm crazy, but this really happened. Have you ever been in one of those situations? I know people my age have, but, but where them, them, when you were younger, you know, the older, older person would grab your hand and squeeze it and make you do this, and they'd pull a rubber band out your hand, spider web out of your hand, all that stuff. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And you feel that you, what it is you feel, the blood coming back into your veins. While I was on the floor, I felt that off my back. I just felt that. And when I got up, the Holy Spirit said, I'm breaking every soul tie to your past. Every one of them. If they come back, it's because it's on you. It's because you've put your mouth on it. Because you talk about it. If I can get somebody to stop talking about their past and to simply talk about where they're going, their entire life changes. Because they're not focused on their soul anymore. Because only the Spirit of God can get them where they're going. So this is what I want to say to you, and, and I'm, 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 <clears throat> I'm, really, I'm really, really nowhere near my notes, but these are the things I wrote down, is you have three options. We say this all the time. We say, well, it's, it's my way, or it's your way, or it's God's way. That's really not true. There's really only three ways things go, and that's my way, your way, or halfway. Because if you've always continually have to fight the battle of putting your emotions, your mind, and the way you think on hold. Because the minute you infect what God says with what you think, you've halfway done what he asked you to do. But if you can ever get to the place where you're all the way. if you People ask all the time, the anointed Oral Roberts and A.A. And a. Allen, even Benny Hinn, Catherine Kuhlman, all of those miracles, these were flawed people. Don't get me wrong, these were very flawed people. But yet there were so many miracles in their meetings because they obeyed something purely. 
They got to that place where they didn't put themselves, hey, I'm not a healer anyways. I'm just doing what he told me to do. And things would happen. But then you got other people who are just as flawed try to do things the same way, but they haven't heard God. They just saw a service and let's do that. And we wonder why things don't happen. God has a desire for all of us to get to a place where we're in that sweet spot, that really quiet place where we know we're hearing him. Because when we're there, all hell can break loose around us, but everything in us can be peaceful, and what's inside of you is what will grow around you. Y'all with me? Because if you can understand that if you release peace, you walk in peace. If you're sowing it, you're overcoming it. If you're releasing peace, you're overcoming anger. If you're releasing, uh, if you're releasing what God says, you're overcoming what you say. You are your own worst enemy. When you look in the mirror, do you see the devil? Some of y'all do, praise the Lord. When you look in the mirror, listen, listen, listen. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Most of y'all see flaws. I gotta fix that. I fix my hair. I gotta do this. I gotta. Most of y'all see some. You don't look to see you. Where God knows everything about you, you're not hiding anything from Him, and He still says, "I can use you if you just listen. If you just listen. If you just listen." The hardest thing to do is listen. You ever sit in a room all by yourself and not turn the TV on? You ever sit in a room all by yourself and not turn the radio on, not get on your phone, not check your status, see who's liked you today? By the way, that's a lie, y'all. They don't nobody like y'all. <laughs> oh, that's just, a, it's a click. It's no way it's possible. But the thing is, most people cannot sit there and deal with their own thoughts for more than an hour without having to have something going on around them because they know who they are. And that's what's stopping you because that's your soul. And if you can get past that and accept that I gave my life to Jesus. And yes, you need to be pressing forward and learning about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you need to get to a place where you can lose yourself in him and listen to what he's saying and come out of that sweet place and go accomplish what he's called you to do. We get so motivated by what other people have done. Most preaching messages are stories about what other people have done. We're not talking about parables and Bible stories. We're talking about stories of what other people have done. And because we're soulishly moved by what they've done, we try to go do those things and nobody's slowing down to say God what do you want because what he wants from you listen to me what God wants from you is supremely unique to you and only you can do it one particular way but he needs you to be in your spirit to hear him are y'all with me so let's do this let, let, me, let me give you one more scripture let me give you one more thing and then we're going to move forward Galatians 2 and 20 I'm going to read it from this. This is a different translation than what will be on the board. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life, this life that I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God, uh, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, that's an amazing scripture, and I love to follow it up with this one, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, where Paul says, I die daily. Y'all, listen to what he said. I die daily. Which means that every day he has to make a choice. 
See, those of us who grew up Pentecostal, we tend to think, well, if you get saved, then you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you let people lay hands on you, it's all good. This is a daily battle. This is a daily war. There's an enemy loose. And the sad thing is, is you have so much power authority to walk all over this guy, but yet we just struggle. He uses your own insecurities, your own problems, your own issues, and your own words against you. Now, when we deal with this, I die daily, how do we die daily? It's simple. You realize this is me. This is not what he said. And you go with what he said. Y'all, we've made this thing so spiritual and hard. April says this, and, and I'll try to close here. April says this about me. April says, not about me, but just in general, but she uses it against me a lot. But she says, in you, talking about me, she says, in you is a fool and in you is a king. I choose to speak to the king today. Inside every single one of you is a fool and a king. What are you sowing into? What are you speaking the most into? What are you putting the most effort into? When you live your life dealing with all the things that's happened to you, been said to you, I'm so stressed, I can't believe my life's not worked out like I want it to. My husband's not husbanding. My wife's not wifing. The dog ain't dogging. The kids ain't kidding. Those things have to be secondary to getting to a place. And that bothers some people because how can my kids be third in line? Well, if you can't put God first and your spouse second, you out of line anyway. Because the way it works is she follows me as I follow Christ. Which doesn't mean I get to say, woman, I'm in charge. I tried that once. Once. But as long as I'm seeking him, she's right there. And let me tell you something. There's never been a time that I've demanded this is what we do. Because she's watched my life. And she knows that if I ever say, the Lord told me to do this, she knows I don't play. And when you're at that place with him, that you will not use his name lightly and say, I know God said it, that's how people follow you. Amen. Y'all stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. Just worship for just a minute. We're going to see what the Lord wants to do here. I know the Lord wants to break some stuff today. And I want, to, I want to pray for you if you need prayer. But what I want, I want you to just bow your heads. The first, first and foremost, most important thing that we do. Guys, if y'all turn that middle switch off back there and just darken the, the room, the middle, uh, the three light switches, the middle switch. Just darken the room. I want everybody just to get comfortable. They're going to get prepared to sing softly up here. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus... If you're in this place and you have never been introduced to Jesus, and I'm not talking about joining a church or even being baptized in a church under pressure. I'm talking about somebody taking you to a place where there's peace. Somebody introducing you to a Savior. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Allen, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Allen, I need Jesus. I need to accept him. I need to fill my heart with him. I need to walk into something new. I need this person you're talking about. On the count of three, I just want you to lift your hands up and put it right down. One, two, three.